I want to thank all of our listeners for several years of dedicated and loyal listening throughout the Halo Talks 400 podcast completed to date. We're going to 1,000 by 2024. If you're so inclined, we'd love to have you go to iTunes for us, fill out a review so we can keep this podcast rolling globally. We are now on Chartable's top lists and moving up the charts. Also, if you want to educate yourself in the new year, please go to thehaloacademy.com. Take a look at what we've done with 150 executives in the Halo sector to get them smarter, get them prepared for capital raises, and also more winning. Thanks. Have a great season. Let's go. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks. I have the pleasure of bringing a fellow entrepreneur and someone who has gone through all of life's ventures to come to the point of helping others. Chris Barable, we are coming in from Florida. We're gonna talk about Novos Labs. We're gonna talk about being an entrepreneur and we're gonna talk about longevity. So Chris, welcome to your first Halo Talks. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. It's great to be here. So you won the uh, NYU uh, Stern Business Plan Competition. So that's not an easy um, uh, event or uh, competition to, uh, to win. So talk first about some of your personal life struggles, which uh, you know, I think people need to know about in your perseverance and how that led you to uh, you know, be a forward thinker in our industry and some of the things that you're looking to help change. Sure. So... You know, when I was 12 years old, I was really interested in, in health. I, I picked up an issue of Men's Health Magazine off of the newsstand and I was inspired by it. And so I started to exercise and eat what I thought was a healthy diet at the time. And, and it really became integrated into my life. And so it was that much more of a surprise to me when I was 15 years old and I was on a school trip in New York City when I was suddenly, uh, I suddenly had a seizure. And it turned out that it was caused by a golf ball-sized brain tumor that Close. was undetected and was growing for years. And so I had to have uh, emergency surgery and uh, my, my life was flipped upside down. And so having thought that I was, I was healthier than my peers, it, it suddenly forced me to consider the difference between more of a superficial side of health where you might be in good shape or good at sports versus the biological true form of health, like how older, uh, sorry, how, how healthy are we biologically? And that's, that, that was the beginning. You know, I mean, it, it transformed me in many different ways in terms of my values and the things I was looking for in life and to the point of being an entrepreneur. A lot of it actually came, not all of it, but a lot of it came out of that experience uh, where I decided I really wanted to kind of chart my own path uh, create um, things in this world and create bi a business of my own and so on. And I felt like that was the best way to be able to impact as many people as possible because I realized how delicate life was and how short it could potentially be. So I wanted to try to make the most of it from, from the start. Got it. And, and when you started on the entrepreneurial path, it wasn't necessarily first on the, you know, health, fitness, wellness side. You actually looked at you know, building something in a commercial real estate market. Was that the first uh, entrepreneurial uh, venture? 
No, so that's actually the last one prior to this one. Uh, the first okay. one was in social social networking. So uh, the the business plan that I won the term business plan competition with was for a concept called Hotlist. At the time, it was called College Hotlist. And this was when Facebook had gone from being a college-exclusive social network to opening up to the world. And my business was aimed at bringing that exclusivity back to college students. But then it was also more focused on real world social life. So getting people out and socializing off of their phones or off of their computers and actually uh, doing things together socially. So we could show you anything that was happening in your neighborhood or even across the world, the, the venues that were the most popular for that night, the events that were taking place. And we had over 220 million people social plans in our in our network at at our peak, got it. So when you started that business, you, were you in school at the time? I actually, it's a good question. No one's asked me that before, but yes, I was actually finishing up my senior year at at Stern. I went to start undergrad, so I was finishing up my senior year okay. when we started on that business, and then I went into private equity for my first year out of college. But all the while, for my nights and weekends, was working on on this business. And uh, then when we won the competition, uh, my friend and I, uh, we decided to quit our jobs and focus on our full time. Got it. And what, what private equity firm were you uh, a part of at that time since we're from the private equity ecosystem? Oh, so, so it was a fund within uh, National Bank of Canada uh, that ended up okay. getting acquired by uh, Japanese. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. As you started, you know, the business, let's talk about entrepreneurship. At first, you know, was there, did, did you start that from a personal frustration where you were trying to find events and you couldn't find them, you know, in any kind of sorted fashion? Um, and maybe talk a little bit about, you know, picking your business partners based on, you know, who your friends were uh, at school and maybe some of the, the pros and cons of that for some of our early listeners here. I think one of the most important things in any kind of entrepreneurial venture is, you know, who do you trust? and uh, who, you know, what skills they bring to the table and who's, you know, responsible for what? Sure. So, so a little bit of background. So I actually got involved with entrepreneurship. And so earlier when I said it was, uh, the brain tumor was, was a motivating factor, but not the only motivating factor. The other key motivator was I started programming when I was young and I got a job in New York City when I was 15 years old, uh, programming. This was right during the tech bubble, 1999, 2000 is when the tech bubble burst. So um, I, I got some experience in the entrepreneurial setting and I was inspired by it. And that was part of the reason I decided to apply to NYU was to learn business so I could, I could become an entrepreneur. So in terms of uh, the, the need for a business like Hotlist, uh, it was really because uh, going to NYU, being in a city like New York, something occurred to us, which was that, uh, my friend and I, that is, uh, if you make a left turn on a Friday night and you walk down the street looking for something to do, you could have a very boring night. And if you only went straight or made a right turn, maybe you would have had the time of your life. The point was that there's so many opportunities, so many things happening, and it can literally just come down to making one turn or not, or entering one restaurant or bar or not, uh, that can really dictate and have a, a strong impact on, on your quality of life and your enjoyment of, of your time. 
And so the point was to try to bring some transparency to the, to the city, to the, to the community, for you to be able to see what's happening around you, but then also uh, to have, have some detail associated with that. So we showed, for example, pictures of the uh, expected crowd based on people's RSVPs. So you can okay. look at the people visually and say, oh, this looks like people that I would hang out with and I would get along with, or, oh no, these people are much older than me, for example. I don't care to go to this, to this venue. We also showed events associated with those venues. So you could find uh, things that might interest you through, through either dimension, if you will, uh, like an interest group or people that might be interesting to you. You know, as, as you kind of look at the ebbs and flows of how venture capital or startup companies, you know, are sometimes um, motivated by, hey, I've got to get more events up there. And like, once I have the database of events, you know, that's, that's an asset. Or, hey, I've got to get these eyeballs. Let's not worry about how we're going to monetize us. Let's just get them. So what have you kind of learned over time or how has your brain when it comes to entrepreneurial opportunities, maybe fast forwarded to, I know where I need to get to because I know I can't just provide a, you know, a, a freemium service forever. Um, so how is, how, is, how, cause I've, I've done this myself several times where I'm like, don't worry about what the revenue model is. Let's just get the community in place. Has that changed how you thought over time? Or is that talk us through that, that evolution? It has changed for me personally, but for many of your listeners, it probably shouldn't change. So what I would say is building a social network, we did focus exclusively on building up our membership base and not on revenue. We only focus on revenue in the final days of the company. And unfortunately, the company ended up imploding. So we, we were being looked at by big names in the tech industry, Google, Facebook, and others for possible acquisition. Ultimately, a company in Asia decided to make an offer. We went through the due diligence process. And then after about three and a half, four months of due diligence, which was exceptionally long, they pulled the plug and they basically said, thanks for all of the information you shared. We're going to try to build our own version here. Right. And so we didn't have enough funds because we weren't focused on revenue we didn't have enough funds to keep the business afloat. We, we knew going into that deal that we needed to either fundraise another round of venture capital or go for the acquisition, but it's impossible to juggle both. It's just too much time. So me, along with my co-founder and our board of directors, decided that we should go for the acquisition. And unfortunately, we were left out to dry and, and we, uh, the company had to shut down as a result. But that was a very difficult lesson, which told me, well, you might want to start looking at, at revenue a little bit earlier than you did, even, even if, if you don't make it your exclusive focus, at least focus on it enough so that you can you know, be self-sustaining, so to speak, right? And then go to, for venture capital for scaling, to, for yeah. growth opportunities. One, one of the things that, you know, when I look back at Harvard Business School, I wish that there was a, a semester class that said, you know, here's how you unwind a company or here's how it's going to feel when you fail or it's okay to fail and here's why and here's how you do it. Because I started a company back in 2000 to 2003 and like you, I'm sure you felt like this company is me. Um, there is no bifurcation of who I am as a person 
and who I am as a founder uh, of this business. And I leveraged credit cards and cashed out my IRA because I didn't know and I never failed before. And I didn't want to be the guy who did. Um, and, and I overextended myself significantly and it affected me in, in various ways. Um, so as you look at businesses now, are you able to kind of somewhat elegantly kind of detach yourself and say, Hey, look, I'm doing an experiment. You know, you call yourself a, you know, a citizen scientist, uh, if that's the right term, you know, and say, I'm doing an experiment. I'm older. I'm more mature. We're going to run this experiment out. If it works, it continues. If it doesn't, it was an experiment and I gave it my all. Yeah. So, so what you said resonates with me because with this company, Atlas, you know, I, I, I came out of college. I launched the business. I won the business plan competition. I raised millions of dollars of venture capital. I was on television. I was plastered on the billboards of Times Square. I opened up well, NASDAQ. I mean, I was, uh, we have many load and many highs, but the point is that overall, I, I, I was succeeding in so many different ways. And to your point, I never truly failed yet. And then this was, by all definitions, a failure. The business fell apart. My investors lost their money. And all of my friends uh, or, or acquaintances or, you know, I'd go back to my hometown and I'd see friends from high school and they'd say, how's Hotless doing? And they didn't know that the business had gone under, right? And so to yeah. have to face that and say, oh, it's not there anymore, you, you do feel like a failure. And so uh, I, I spent a lot of time uh, Reflecting on that, I, I even turned to some spiritual books and, and uh, not religious, but spiritual books and, and trying to kind of like peel back the onion of who I am and what was, why was my identity so tied up in my company? And how could, uh, what was I really looking for in that business? Was I looking for financial success? Was I looking for fame? Was I looking to help people? You know, all of these questions were circulating in my mind and I was, I was thinking about them over a long period of time. And um, ultimately, some of those answers led me to found what I have now found it uh, being Novos. But with that said, it did teach me a valuable lesson about separating myself and my ego um, and my self-identity from my business. So I, I, I don't necessarily characterize it as an experiment, though I think that's a healthy way to characterize it. Uh, it's, it's more of a, I, I think for me, it's more like having failed I've, I've been through that before. I know what it feels like. And if I fail right. again, that's okay. Um, I realize I've got so much more in my life and that there's so much more to life than that. And uh, so I think that part of maturing and go getting older and having other things in your life, like loved ones, uh, just a bigger context, uh, that yeah. I think really changes your vision on it. I think it's important, you know, a lot of the people that listen to our podcast are starting new ventures. Uh, maybe trying to hold on to something that they know is a good idea, but the timing's just not right. There's not financing for it. I really encourage people, I'll just say it right now, you know, take a deep breath and understand that you've given it your all and it might not be the right time for this to work. And the, the return on your time going forward, you might, have, you might have a negative, you know, use of your time by trying to keep something going that, that's not working for you and it might stall you and in, in open up that next door. So think about, you know, where you're really at, you know, and, and look at it as if you're looking at someone else's business instead of your own, because there are opportunities that you could miss if you continue to run something out because you're afraid to fail or afraid, 
you know, to go to a dinner and say, hey, this didn't work out, you know, where I've got money from friends and family, you know, the money that they put in, you know, hopefully is not a material part of their life savings or their, their required income. And I really think you got to, you know, manage through that and be transparent. Um, and I know I've wasted years, you know, trying to keep things alive that, that I shouldn't have. So I just want to take a minute there and, you know, get your perspective on it and also share with people that, you know, starting new ventures is, uh, and you know, it's a, it's a very low probability. And if you're a, uh, you know, an all-star batter in, in the major league baseball, you know, you, you go into the bench 750 to 700 to 750 times at every at bat, you know, and, and the entrepreneur is probably lower than that. So, uh, I just wanted to cover that. So, so thank you for that. So talk about Novos. Yeah. It, talk about so, bio. Sorry, yeah. Very, very quickly. What I would add to that is like for people to, to, uh, not fall for the sunk cost fallacy, like the, what you have invested into the, into the company, you, you need to look at this moment going forward, not what you have done in the past, right? Because that's going to lead you astray. The other thing is that our brains, we're, we're cognitively biased towards what is known as opposed to the unknown. Oftentimes right. the unknown can actually be far better for you. And there's, there's much more opportunity and, uh, and you can get much further in the unknown. But we're biased to what's familiar, what we know about. But you're more likely to think that what you're doing is better when it may very well not be. Yeah, that's a great point. So let's let's pivot to uh, to Novos. You know, maybe tell us what that what that means, uh, why you came up with that name, and then the uh, you know biological causes of aging. Uh, I'm sure we could talk about that for much longer than five minutes. But give us like the sure. tops and the waves of what you're building now, why you're excited about it, and how you think that's going to help. Sure. So uh, we spent a lot of time thinking through the name for the business. Uh, we have to consider which domains are available and IP and trademarks and so on. But ultimately, we came up with Novos, uh, which we actually uh, think is perfect for us. Novos means new in Latin as well as in Portuguese. And, uh, and why new? Well, because we want people to be as close to the, their new selves, if you will, as possible. And so essentially what we mean is uh, we, we address aging uh, from the root biological causes. And our goal is to slow down the aging process by as much as possible. And scientists have proven uh, time and time again that this is possible. Uh, not only is it possible, but in some studies in different animal species, uh, including mammals, they've been able to reverse biological age. So uh, that is something that is, is uh, some would argue it's already been done uh, in humans. Uh, that's a little bit more controversial, but the point is that it is widely believed that we will be able to if it hasn't already been done, reversing biological age. Uh, and so uh, there are these biological causes of aging, many of which have only been uncovered over the past uh, you know, five to 10 years. And they range from mitochondrial dysfunction to cellular senescence, loss of proteostasis, altered intracellular communication, uh, genomic instability, also known as DNA damage, epigenetic alterations, telomere shortening. So telomeres are like the end caps of our chromosomes that protect our DNA, and they get shorter with each cell division as we age. Um, deregulated nutrient function is part of the reason why our metabolisms are not as good when we get older. Uh, stem cell exhaustion. So these cells produce all of our other cells, and you have fewer of them, and they're not as capable as you get older. 
Then uh, there are three new ones that were added just this year. There were nine that had been established over the course of, you know, maybe it was a decade ago that the paper came out. And then uh, three new ones were added. Um, inflammaging, disabled autophagy, and dysbiosis. So inflammaging would be like a chronic uh, low-grade inflammation that continues uh, over time. So, so as you look at these 12 markers, are you able to get a diagnostic test which will give you an actual score for each one of these? Or is it more of, here's the indicators. We can't actually tell you where you are right now, but we know that these are things you have to approve. Or is there a quantifiable way to, to rank each one and know where you are on the, on the spectrum? Well, so for each one, uh, not all of these can be can be easily measured, uh, but some can. For example, uh, inflammaging, you can look at things like impl blood inflammatory markers like HSCRP or interleukins. But uh, generally speaking, when it comes to aging, what's most important is what's known as these biological age tests. So scientists have created different tests to look at different molecules uh, within, within our blood, um, or in some cases, saliva, to be able to then approximate how old you are biologically. Now, biological age and chronological age are two different things. Chronological age is how many birthdays you've had. Biological age is essentially how old you are biologically, which is correlated with your risk of mortality, your risk of morbidity or, or chronic illness, and is basically also how, how physically and mentally capable you are. As we know, when we're younger, we can, we're, we're much more... Uh, uh, athletic and uh, resistant and uh, have a lot more energy. And then as we age, that starts to decline. The biological age is ultimately what is most important for us to know, right? And so there are many different biological age clocks out there. Not all of them are created equal. There are biological age clocks that look at your epigenome. These are the most advanced and most well-studied to this point. Your epigenome is this layer that sits above your genes and determines which genes are turned on and which genes are turned off. And there are patterns to that as we age. And so these clocks detect those patterns and then tell you effectively how old you are biologically. Um, and even within that category, there are first-generation clocks, second-generation clocks, and now the newest are third-generation clocks. So how are you, with Novos here, in short order, you know, designing supplements to attack those, you know, is it a custom vitamin, um, you know, type of uh, monthly drop or, you know, talk about the actual product that you're providing here uh, before we, uh, we close out our first of uh, many Halo talks at the go of the years. Sure. So we, we've created uh, to this point, two formulations. Uh, one is a patent pending formulation that has 12 ingredients. It's called Novos Core. It's the very first formula ever to address all 12 of these biological causes of aging simultaneously. Even biotechs and pharma, they're trying to address these one by one. We address all 12 with natural ingredients over the counter. Uh, we've done a number of uh, scientific uh, tests, uh, in vitro human tests, for example, that show reductions, significant reductions in DNA damage from irradiation, from chemotherapeutics, uh, and so on. And uh, we've done a case study where we found that 73% of people taking our formulations had a reduction in their biological pace of aging, and 0% of people 
at an acceleration in their biological pace of aging. So those are the two formulas, Novos Core, Novos Boost. Uh, and then we also offer biological age test kit. And you take a small sample of blood by pricking your finger and then uh, putting it on an index card. Uh, and that blood sample is then analyzed and it is the most advanced biological age test currently available. It was created by researchers at Duke University and uh, Columbia University. We license the test from them. And we can tell you your biological pace of aging. For example, are you aging uh, 0.9 years per chronological year or 1.2 years? And the good thing is that aging is 90% lifestyle, only 10% genetic. So whatever score you well, have, you can probably improve it through supplementation, through diet, even through meal timing, when you eat your meals and when you don't, physical activity, improving your sleep. So we provide tons of free information. We're a public benefit corporation. If you go to novoslabs.com slash blog, you can see a lot of content. We also have a free quiz uh, where you can get a longevity lifestyle score to see how well you're doing right now. We have something called face age where you can take a selfie and with AI, we can tell you your face, your perceived face age, but then skin health scores and then give you guides for improving your skin health. All of that is That's free. Great. Awesome. All right, great. Well, we'll put up all this in the uh, in the show notes. Uh, welcome to the Halo Sector. Love what you're doing. Um, we think with exercise, movement, nutrition, and you know more of these innovative tests and understanding of uh, of your body and your genes and your uh, you know, biomarkers that, you know, we are going to change the world. So I'm glad you, uh, decided to pivot into this. Uh, we will call this the, uh, the new hot list and the, uh, the one that matters most. So thanks for coming on. Great talking to you. I'm glad you, uh, glad you made your travels towards, uh, towards our direction. Of course. Thank you, Pete. Thanks awesome. for having me.